This is the Global Mail podcast, a conversation with TGM reporters and contributors, taking you behind some of our best projects and stories. I'm Michael Safi. Today I'm talking to Matthew Abbott, an Australian filmmaker whose documentary, Get Free or Die Trying, recently debuted on the Global Mail. The documentary captures, for the first time, one asylum seeker's entire journey from Pakistan through Southeast Asia and across a wild stretch of ocean to Australia by boat. It's a project into which Matt poured over a year of his life and for which he spent weeks in the Pakistani city of Quetta, one of the most violent places on earth. Parts of the city are run by the Pakistani Taliban, and most Western journalists completely avoid it. Matt went there twice. He's originally a photojournalist, and the first time he visited Quetta to find an asylum seeker whose journey he could capture in photographs. So I wanted to do a sort of long-term uh, photography project about the journey, and I wanted to photograph it. Um, but being there the first time, I just realised that it, it was a story that had to be told um, on film. You know, it had to be something that I, I needed to come back and. and really sort of focus on one story. And the best way I thought to do that would be to find one person um, and follow their journey to Australia. So Matt returned to Pakistan a second time. And that was when a contact put him in touch with Hussain, a Hazara man living in Karachi, working at Pizza Hut, planning to make the boat journey to Australia. One of the first things he told me was uh, that his brothers had disappeared um, making the journey to Australia in 2001. And he he was sort of adamant that he wanted to make the journey again um, to see whether he could, uh, you know, hear any information about his brothers. Um, uh, you know, and of course, he wanted to, to make a new life in, in Australia. But um, one of the big factors for him making the journey was that, he's, that you know, his brothers had, had, uh, had disappeared. So his brothers had gone together 10 years ago? Yes, his two brothers had gone ten, you know, uh, ten years ago, um, 2001. Uh, his father had had put the money forward for them to make that journey, and the last he's ever heard from them was that they boarded a, a boat, um, set off for Christmas Island, and 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 that was the end of it. Then he hasn't heard of them since. <laughs> Matt's tall and has a bright crop of blonde hair. It's fair to say that in a dangerous city such as Karachi, lugging his camera, he stood out. But apart from avoiding the attention of militants, Matt faced another hurdle shooting his documentary, a language barrier. It was probably the biggest challenge. Uh, it was, it was a comp- you know, very difficult, especially as I wasn't you know, trying to construct anything. I was letting the whole thing flow naturally. And so the only way to do it was to sort of uh, ask Hussain, well, look, if you're going to talk about it, please let me know so I know to film. Um, if you're going to talk about anything interesting that you might think is important for my documentary. Um, and this happened from time to time, but it's a very hard thing to, to really uh, to put into effect in reality. I, I would shadow Hussain um, and I'd, I would film a lot of content, which is very easy to do being digital, you know. Um, but yeah, it was very, it's very tiring because you're always on your, on your guard. You always think, well, what are they talking about? Um, should I be filming this? Um, so yeah, that, that's, it's a very challenging way to shoot, uh, not understanding what people are talking about. 
Hazaras are an ethnic minority in Pakistan and regularly targeted by militants. Hundreds have been killed this year in shooting attacks on cars, by car bombs left in markets, but Matt managed to gain the trust of Hussain's family, joining them for meals, tagging along when they visited relatives, sometimes even staying overnight in their home. Sometimes it was too dangerous for me to, uh, to, to, to leave um, you know, and to go back to my hotel in, in downtown Karachi. So I'd stay the night with them. Um, I mean, they lived in a horrendously dangerous neighbourhood um, of Karachi where each time we had to sort of travel through these sort of Taliban-operated uh, areas. Um, so, you, you know, every time you went there, you, it was a bit, bit nerve-wracking. Um, so, yeah, I was very happy to stay there for, for a period of time and then sort of go back to my hotel and sort of recuperate and then come back, a, you know, a day or two later. Being in Karachi was risky enough, but Matt's project was about to get a lot more dangerous. In order to make the journey to Australia, Hussain had to leave his family with his parents in Quetta. The family flew into the city and Matt joined them. The, the feeling in Quetta is of absolute terror and of paranoia. Whenever we made a journey, we would never use the same taxi driver. You know, we'd, we'd call a different taxi driver off of someone else's mobile phone. You know, you wouldn't tell them where you're going and you certainly wouldn't say you were with a foreign journalist. I would only ever walk the streets in these Hazara areas. It would be suicide to, to get out, you know, in, in these other suburbs. After spending sort of eight days there, you know, you have this feeling of tension building up and, you know, you just feel like, well, it's time to leave. You know, we've been here, we've been here long enough and, and, and um, that, that's very tiring, you know, to, to live like that. Um, we, Hussain needed to, to pick the right time to leave and, and to sort of farewell his family. Um, and that was a very emotional time. I was able to record these farewells and it was, um, it was incredible to, to be there during that, that, that time and, um, and with his, his family. We, uh, we called a taxi and we made our, our way to the airport, which is, which is quite tense, you know. Um, it's, it's, you need to pass through some pretty dangerous areas um, to make it to the airport. But once we, uh, once we made the airport, we were, you know, we were so relieved and, and it was this feeling of sort of weight off our shoulders, both of us. Um, and it was, it was an incredible time. We, uh, we checked in and we were waiting for the plane, uh, well, to, be, to board the plane. And I had my memory card of the last few hours downloading into my computer. And uh, I was approached by uh, three official type people and asked to, uh, Mr. Abbott, could you please come with us? And I was taken into a... Uh, into an office and then uh, questioned about what I'd been doing in, in Quetta for the last eight days. And because I had flown into Quetta, they had made note that I'd, I had arrived. Um, and upon my arrival, I had told people that I was a tourist on my way to Iran. And when I made no uh, exit to Iran, they, uh, they were very um, suspicious and, and they had been looking for me for the last eight days. And so, um, I was taken into this room and sort of interrogated about what I was doing in Quetta and having all, all this professional journalism equipment, it was very obvious, you know, what, what I'd been up to. Matt suspected he had been detained by the ISI, the largest of Pakistan's many intelligence services. Their reputation is fearsome and they're dogged by allegations of using torture and having links to the same extremist groups who slaughter the Hazaras. And then they actually walked me out onto the tarmac. 
um, what the plane was already an hour delayed. They opened the cargo hold, took off all my bags, searched the uh, the seating where where my friends were, but they didn't find Hussein. Um, and so that was pretty. At that point, I, I realized we were a pretty serious set of people. They questioned me for for half a day um, about you know who I was working with. Um, they wanted the names of who I was working with, and I wasn't willing to give that information to them. Um, they told me that they would make my life hell, and that they they would that if I didn't cooperate, they would um you know they would basically charge me for 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 spying, um, and that they could do whatever they wanted to me, you know. Um, but I just sort of held firm and said, look, I'm not willing to talk about who I was working with, as that would put Hussein in a considerable risk. The authorities eventually released Matt. Hussein had managed to fly back to Karachi undetected, but when Matt caught up with him his whole attitude towards the project had changed. Hussein wasn't answering my phone calls and he was obviously incredibly uh, anxious about what had happened. Um, and back in Karachi, it was three days before Hussein uh, came and saw me. He, uh, he really sort of went underground and he was, he was quite concerned about, about what, what had happened and what had taken place. Um, once we got together in Karachi, um, Hussein was really, uh, really disturbed about, you know, this, this ISI and, and, and what potentially we, we spoke about. And, and he um, decided at that point that he didn't want to continue uh, with the documentary, uh, which was incredibly disappointing for me. Uh, and and I, uh, I tried to assure him that I, I had not mentioned anything about him and, and his family and that we should just take it, you know, take it, just chill, take it, take it, you know, take it easy and, and uh, but he was adamant that he wanted to um, to, to part ways, and, and uh, we left on, on pretty bad terms, actually, in, uh, in Pakistan. Matt flew back to Australia, leaving Hussein in Karachi, both men believing that the project was over. But after a couple of months, they were back in touch, and agreed the story they were telling was too important to give up. In order to film the rest of Hussein's journey, they came up with an idea. I decided that, look, at the end of the day, there was going to be a lot of risk for me to, to follow him on that journey um, and potentially would jeopardise his chance for asylum. Um, and we talked about this, but uh, in the end, um, we decided that I would send him a camera um, and I taught him online how to use the, you know, the basics to how to use the camera. Um, yeah, and, and I said, look, when, if anything happens, anything interesting, any feelings you want to talk about, use it as a sort of like a, a diary, um, and just every day try and get a little bit of, of the journey. Over the course of the past year, Matt and Hussein's relationship had gone beyond just filmmaker and subject. They felt like family. They called each other brother. They shared dreams for their future to one day have a drink together outside the opera house. But they also fought a lot. And as Hussein embarked on his journey, the stress for both of them began to show. By the time Hussein had made it to Southeast Asia, the two men had cut off all contact. And so then we spiralled into another sort of, uh, you know, what, what became the next six months of uh, non-communication, really, as he made his way from Thailand to Australia. And yet he kept filming. That's true. He did. And... I'm very thankful that he did. Uh, Why do you think he did, given that, you know, as far as he knew, the documentary was off? I think 
deep down he uh, he just believed in, in the project and he wanted people to see it. And I think, you know, uh, he knew what he was experiencing was important and he knew how important it was for me and, and that I was willing to risk my life or to risk a lot to uh, to make the film and, and, he, um, and he wanted to sort of, uh, to honor that, I guess. Once I knew I wanted to publish with Global Mail and, and to get that first part of the documentary out, um, I made a huge amount of effort to get in communication with Hussein, um, who at that time was not interested in publishing. In fact, he, uh, he said that he would not give permission for me to, um, to, uh, to publish. So I was just trying to make, um, sort of, uh, make it possible to meet him. And, and, and so I was actually going to go and visit him in Indonesia. Um, until we found that from his Facebook profile, actually, that he was living in Swan Hill in regional Victoria. And how did you find that out from his Facebook profile? Oh, <laughs> he just updated his, uh, his location. <laughs> to so, Swan Hill. To Swan Hill. But that's all I knew was that he was in Swan Hill. Um, which, and there was one picture that was obviously taken in Australia. Matt drove 11 hours to Swan Hill in regional Victoria to track down the man he had first met in a pizza hut in Karachi over a year earlier. He managed to find Hussein, but he seemed different, shaken. He'd found asylum, but it was like he had lost something too. Talking to him after he'd been on the journey, uh, you know, he, he basically told me that um, being on that, on that sea and being in that boat, uh, having no control and, and sort of being thrown around and, and thinking that you're going to die, he, he really understood for the first time that his brothers w were dead. Hussein handed over the footage he had shot on his journey to Matt. Their documentary had an ending. They had succeeded in capturing the entire asylum seeker journey on camera. But there was no happy ending. Today, Hussein is living in a caravan park in Swan Hill. He's on a bridging visa, awaiting the new government's decision of whether he'll be granted citizenship. He can't work, can't send money back to his family in Quetta, his story is far from over. He's really fought to get to where he is, but he's, the fight has just begun. He's got years of uncertainty ahead of him. Um, and not being able to work, he sits at home all day thinking about all these problems, the, the death of his brothers, the fact that his family are thousands of kilometres away in a, in a very, very uh, serious um, situation in, in Quetta. It, it really uh, plays on his mind. and. Um, you know, that's, he's in a terrible situation. That was filmmaker Matthew Abbott, whose film, Get Free or Die Trying, was produced and published by The Global Mail. To see the full documentary, go to our website, theglobalmail.org. This has been a Global Mail podcast. I'm Michael Safi. Thanks for listening.